0: Out of it. Uh, in middle school, I uh, played trumpet. My grandmother she bought me my first instrument, was a, which was a trumpet. And from the sixth grade all the way up through high school, I graduated from Satsuma High School. I was actually the top trumpet player in the state of Alabama uh, four years straight. So, you oh. know the yeah uh, you know, the dynamics as far as like the musical ability you know, it's always been there for quite some time. And, you know, as I got you know older and got out of high school, that's when it transitioned more into being just a musical artist and becoming a rapper myself. So,
1: Hi, everyone, and welcome to the special simulcast of the Neil Haley Show and the Dr. Christopher Hall Show. And I'm excited to welcome Nobel Prize nominated doctor, also best selling author and emergency room physician, Dr. Christopher Hall. Dr. Mm-hmm. Hall, I'm so glad to do another show with you. How are you, sir?
2: Well, you know what? I'm doing great, and you know I'm very excited about this show because you know we we have a gentleman here, uh uh a a, it, a local rapper here on the Gulf Coast, uh who has a wonderful story, and so I'm very excited uh, about this interview today.
1: So who's our guest?
2: Well, wow, um, you know I'm very excited, very honored to bring to the show uh is Mr. Jerrell Simon. Uh, this is an individual who again. Very talented as a young person, uh, had uh, picked up the trumpet, was so talented, was put on the stage with Hammer as a young person. He's toured uh, across the country, opened up for T.I., and so, wow, I'm very happy to welcome to the show, Mr. Jarrell Simon. Welcome to the show, Jarrell.
0: Hey, how you doing, man? Yeah, this is your man, Jay Simon, right here from Mobile, Alabama, man. Thank you all so much. Uh, for hey, James, me uh, uh,
1: thanks for being on. I know Chris has his first question. Go ahead for Jay Simon.
2: Well, no problem. Well, you know, Jay, uh, uh, everyone doesn't know a whole lot about the rap world and, and and the things that it takes to get in the rap world. But before we get in there, tell us a little bit about your background, I mean, where you're from and how you decide to get into music.
0: Uh, well, yeah, man, I'm from a uh, little small town right outside of uh, uh, Mobile. Actually, it's in Mobile County a uh, town called Selley in Alabama. I was born and raised there. Um I I grew up uh musically inclined. I, I kind of discovered my gifts at a very young age. You know, the thir- the very my very first uh, artist that I ever imitated or wanted to be like was Michael Jackson, you know, and I remember when I was uh like 5 or 6 years old and my aunt Carassa, uh she purchased me my first Michael Jackson kit. It came with the the jacket, the gloves, the, uh, the the microphone, and ever since that time, man, I, you know, ever since, you know, then, you know, my family and myself knew that the musical talent was there. So whenever people used to come in for like, you know, uh, family reunions or Christmas or Thanksgiving, uh, I was the entertainer, you know, so I've always been entertaining all my life, literally. And that's where it started from there and then, you know, moving on and progressing uh, as far as getting more into the musical side of it, um, in middle school, I played trumpet. My grandmother, she bought me my first instrument, was which was a trumpet. And from the sixth grade all the way up through high school, I graduated from Satsuma High School. I was actually the top trumpet player in the state of Alabama uh, four years straight. So, you, oh. know, the, uh, you know, the dynamics as far as, like, the musical ability, you know, has always been there for quite some time. And, you know, as I got, you know, older and got out of high school, that's when it transitioned more into being just a musical artist and becoming a rapper myself, so. So Jay,
1: kind of tell me specifically once you know, when did you know you had the talent to be a rapper? If you started out, you're so musically inclined to get to rap it. How did you start thinking, hey, I'm gonna rap?
0: Well, and, in, in, you know, again, this was something that was kind of discovered early on because, you know, in school, you know, middle school, high school, uh, one of my favorite subjects, you know, of course, was music. Uh, I was also big in into sports, but, you know, my favorite number one subject, was uh, reading and literature uh, I was a you know great writer uh, I always wrote stories, always wrote poems uh, I always loved the the girls so one of the smoother things I used to do was write love letters matter of fact, I was so good at it to a lot of my friends and partners used to pay me to to write them a poem for their girlfriend you know for Valentine's Day or, or things of that nature so you know I've always had the gift of writing and uh you know used to always play around in the hallways or you know beat on the side of the lock and, you know, do a little freestyling and things of that nature. But uh really took a hold to it and took it really serious when I um, attended my first year at the University of South Alabama. And uh, a friend of mine put my name in a hat to be in a talent show. I didn't even know I was going to be in it. And I got up there and I wrecked it. And after that, you know, it just kind of took off uh, from there.
2: Well, you know what? And, and I'm glad you brought that up because that was my next question. How did it feel to, um, you know, being so talented to earn that full scholarship in music to the University of South Alabama, uh, incidentally, what I think is a great school. I love myself there. Tell us about that, Jay.
0: I mean, yeah, man. I mean, it was it was a great honor because you know, in my family, I was the really like literally the first uh, person to you know not only get a full scholarship like that, but go to 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 uh, college for music. You know, so it was a big deal, man. It was it was really cool uh it was something that my family was extremely proud of uh it's just during that time as well though you know you know coming up at that time that age you can lose focus real quick especially if you've you know if you've always been in a house and you've always been you know the, the church kid and you know you, if you get outside of that and you're not really prepared for what the world has to offer what's going to be out there you know there's a lot of things and a lot of temptation that you can You know fall subject to and ironically that's what happened to me you know i went in i did great did my first year first two years man dean list the whole nine but you know when i was discovered by uh one of my good friends now uh, mr sherman williams when i was discovered by him i had an opportunity to sign with him and uh handle as far as being a producer at his studio and also his top artist so when that came about and you know, got a chance to see the the most money I've ever seen in my life and things of that nature, you know, I got caught, you know, in the, in the hype of it, you know, and I lost my way and I wound up uh, dropping out of, out of uh, college. And uh, one of the reasons why at that time, which was very foolish if you ask me, was that I felt like I made more money than my college professor. I felt like I made more than the director. So why waste my time doing it if I already made it? In my mind, that's what I was thinking. And, you know, even to this day, I kind of hate that I didn't finish, but at the same time, there's no regrets because those are the things that kind of helped me and mold me to become, you know, the man and the person that I am now. And to also share those experiences with a lot of our, you know, new and upcoming artists and, you know, to let them know that, hey, man, it's cool. You know to get your education it's cool to get your degrees it's cool to you know to do the right things and take the right steps and not get caught up in the hype or the peer pressure or you know all of the things that you see on tv that's not really what it is it's not really the reality side of it so again man uh again like like i said i don't regret it at all it it got me to where i'm at now uh but yeah i mean when i did get the scholarship it it was cool man it was it was It was really, it it was a good feeling, you know, because I accomplished something that a lot of people felt like I wouldn't, you know, be able to do. So,
1: so Jay, when you decided to drop out of college to go rap because you were going to make money, what, like, how did you lay that decision out? I did the same thing. I dropped out of undergrad to be a professional wrestler, then came back, finished my undergrad and got my master's degree. But I had a decision. I said, man, this is an opportunity that no other opportunity I'm ever going to have if I go back look to local wrestling versus a territory that was in down south, I, I would not. I thought I was just going for the summer. And I said, you know what? I'm going to continue this. And the education I got in professional wrestling for a year and a half down south working every night a week was worth its weight in gold. Were you, how many options were you weighing before you said, hey, I got to jump from college to do this?
0: Well, I mean you know it, it it was the the biggest option again i mean at that age man you know 18 19 years old uh you know somebody pulls up i'm driving a 1989 geo spectrum and you know that had a kill switch on it that i had to push and crank up at the same time and then the next day uh i have a guy pulls up with a 2020 brand new lincoln uh town car as well as a 1966 Monte Carlo, as well as a bag full of money, as well as keys to a studio. And, you know, this is what I always dreamed of. This is what I always wanted to do. So when it came to, hey, I can be an entertainer and make this amount of money, I already got all of this, or I can be a band director. And not, you know, not clowning on the band director side, but at the same time, like, hey, we're talking about $250,000. Versus being a band director who only makes about 40 to 50 grand a year. So, you know, that's where it was. I mean, at that time, too, I was kind of still trying to find myself. Uh, You know, one of the main reasons why I even stuck with it was because I was actually very, very good in sports. But my senior year in high school, I was in a a very bad car wreck that uh, I could have lost my life. One of my best friends did. Uh, And it kind of destroyed and, and put a halt to any type of, you know, sports that I could do in a, you know, in, in collegiate level just due to the injury of my, my, my leg, the injury of my shoulder. So I was already kind of like in a, you know, I felt like, wow, this is it. This is where I'm at, but I'm going to go ahead and push through and make my grandmother proud, make my mother proud. And that's who it was really about because of the sacrifices that they made, because of the things that they did to take out. Uh, the time to to get me the right lessons, to get me in the right places and do the things. I wasn't going to University of South Alabama for myself. I was going for them. And, you know, when it got to the point where I had a choice to choose something for myself, you know, that was the move I made. Uh, you know, I spoke to my mother and grandmother about it. Of course, my grandmother was, you know, disappointed. But at the same time, she understood because, again, they knew I was born to be a star. And to their knowledge, hey, maybe this was it. You know, to my knowledge, thinking, hey, this is it. This is my chance. If I don't jump now, I might not get this opportunity again. And, you know, and I made that jump and I made that leap. And again, you know, like I said, like sometimes we make decisions that can affect us. But at the same time, it can also affect you in a good way. No matter how bad it might be or if it was a mistake or it was a bad move, you know, you learn from that. You build from that. uh, You get character from that. And I've always been the type of person where I've never, ever at anything. I never, you know, if I fall down, I get back up, I keep going again. You know, I never use excuses or obstacles to stop me from getting, you know, to certain levels or reaching my goals. So, you know, again, those are the things that I, I'm really, really proud of because, you know, it made me who I am again. You know, once again today, it, it really helped me out a whole lot. And, and I'm appreciative of that good, bad, ugly, however it may have been. You know i i would never you know change for anything in the world
1: all right so let's kind of just jump into specifically enough uh the thinking about this jay the, once you made your big break you said two hundred fifty thousand dollars. so tell us more about that experience and how you uh w- transformed in rap from going from college to that
0: well i mean you know it, it was good you know like i said it set me up you know to to do bigger and, and nice good things um, the transition from that point though, was that it didn't go too far. Uh, and the reason why it didn't go too far is because the, uh, my, my right-hand guy, my, my partner had got, uh, got incarcerated. He had got incarcerated. Uh, and I'm speaking back on Sherman Williams. He was just to kind of give you a background, which I already know. People know who, who he is, but you know, Sherman was a professional football player. He was the top guy. He had just got his, uh, his, Probably fourth ring because he's the only player that I know of who's got a ring on the high school level championship, uh, a championship with Alabama. Then he went to the Dallas Cowboys and got a championship. And when he came back to Mobile, he actually won a championship with the Mobile Admirals. So, you know, he got incarcerated, uh, got caught up in the jam. And when that happened, that put a halt on that situation, that put a halt on all of that. Uh, to the point to where the cars that I had that wasn't in my name, they were taken back. Uh, <laughs> uh, the, the certain contracts that I was under uh, was non void You know, certain money had to be paid back. Uh, you know, apartments had to be given back because these are the things that were, you know, basically purchased by him. And that was something that I learned right off is that, you know, when you're doing things, make sure you do it in your name. Make sure you got everything intact. But again, I was very young, man. I was I was in a hype of it. I had a chance to, to meet Master P and the No Limit crew for the first time. He took me there. Uh I even had a chance to to battle with, you know, artists like Mystical and C Murder and, you know, Fiend who were with Cash Money. I had a chance to meet uh I had a chance to meet Cash Money Rackers as well. Uh Manny Fresh for the first time. So it was just a lot of great things that would happen and good experiences. But you know, one bad situation or one big mistake can change it all. All of it can change. All of it can be swiped away. All of it can be taken away. So when that happened, I was back at square one, and it was it was it was a terrible feeling because of the fact that I felt like I let a lot of people down. But at the end of the day, you know, I knew I had the the strength to pull myself up, you know, brush myself off, and go even further. And that's when I started learning the business more by myself. I started digging into You know, learning how to get my LLC, learning what royalties was all about, learning all of the things that I need to know. Because during that time, an artist wasn't supposed to know anything. only thing you're supposed to do is get in the the booth, rap, sing, dance, whatever. And it is. You hear these stories a lot. You know, you even heard it about Whitney Houston and her father, you know, as far as like bad situations or bad contracts or or bad business. And that was because of the fact during that time, an artist was just an artist. And I learned how to teach myself how not to be, you know, I was an artist by talent. I was an artist, you know, just born with a gift, but I taught myself how to become the business man that I needed to be to the point to where I was able to learn the business inside and out and be able to protect my music, protect my royalty, protect my publishing and make my money from that way. You know, even all, when it came to booking and things of that, that nature, I was able to help book myself on shows. And I used to play like I was the manager. So it was, it was pretty cool because I would speak on the phone, you know, you know, super professional to whoever I'm talking to. And then when they got a chance to meet, you know, Relic at the time, my name was Relic the Dirt Road Pimp. uh, They met the artist, you know, so I always kind of like played that because I was so afraid to trust anyone, you know, with my life, with my talent, with my skills and not being done the correct way. And it just helped me out a whole lot. So, uh, but yeah, I, I, I really had to to dig deep and learn the business, and that's what's so important. Because if you don't know the business, then you know you're gonna get screwed. I mean, it's just it's just a, a simple fact. So,
1: Chris, I know you have a couple more questions for Jay. Go ahead.
2: Oh, with well, no doubt, with well, no doubt. You know, uh, Jay, I wanted to ask him. You know, uh, like I said, you know, with his uh, earning the scholarship, uh, being so talented. Uh, you know, there's been some challenges too, Jay, you know, tell us about the challenges that you've had actually um, just uh, making it where you are now.
0: I mean, you know, it's, it challenges, I mean, man, there's challenges every day, brother. You know what I mean? Like, you know, and I don't even look at them. The challenges is more just life, you know, life experiences, things that you learn, uh, things that you, you know, that, that, uh, that comes your way. And it's all about, You know, and I keep going back to it, but you know, I can't help but to go back to it. It's just really all about how you bounce back and uh, do the things that you need to do. But I've I've ran into bad contracts. Uh, I've had situations with uh, with Sony Records. I've had situations with Atlantic. Uh, I've had situations with uh, Universal. With all of these different companies that I had an opportunity to do things with, and they went south. And the reason why they went south is because. Uh, it might have been bad communication, bad management, bad business—you know, all of the above. Uh, I've even bought myself out of contracts. I mean, I've—I've I've been doing it for that long too, and and uh, and so many times to Well, uh, you know, I've—I've I've literally had enough money to buy myself out of a situation because, again, when I first started, uh, my stage name and my artist name was Relic. And then it became Relic DRP, which stands for Dirt Road Pimp. And by having that and having these different situations, it got to a point where I couldn't even use my name. So the only way that I can be able to go further is that I had to rebrand myself. I had to rewrite everything. You know, and at the same time I had to like get up enough money to where I bought myself out of the contract and bought my name back. Uh but during that process, that's when I transitioned and, and, um, and rebranded myself. And I took the J from Jarrell and my last name, Simon, and I was J Simon. And I knew for a fact that no one could, no one could take that from me due to the fact that, Hey, this is my, you know, <laughs> this is the name that I was born with. It's kind of hard to take that right. one away, but I, but I still did the proper things as far as trademarking J Simon and trademarking Relic, the and trademarking my company, Boom uh Global LLC, um Boonight Global Entertainment and and just doing the right things, you know, to, to get to this point. So again, man, I mean it, it's it's been a lot, man. I have a there's a lot of stories, a lot of things, you know, a lot of crazy stuff I've I've been involved with. Uh I've been in, you know, bad situations. I've been in situations where there was, you know, shootouts. I've been in situations where there was uh raids, you know, just all type of things man that you can think about, you know, or you can imagine. Right. But you know, I was always just blessed to be able to come out of those situation. I was blessed to be, you know, protected and you know, just be. At the, I was in the wrong place at the wrong time, but at the same time, you know, I I really give a lot of, you know, thanks and praise to God for just protecting me through all that because I never did get caught up or got, you know, in any type of situation or troubles from it. But I was able to learn and grow and build and 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 just you know prepare myself and now I move different now I walk different, now I talk different now i I think differently, you know, even when you know myself and my wife, if we go to an event, you know you some someone said at my last show like, man, you move like the president, you know, because I have the proper security, I have the proper team around me, you know during right. that time in the <laughs> earlier stages, you know in the earlier stages, it was like you know you want." You know, the people that you grew up with or you came up with, you want to have them, you want to show them love. So it was 20, 30 guys on the stage at one time. Like, why? You know, like, why are there so many people here? Now I went from a team of 30 to now my team is about – team of about five. You know, five solid team members, you know, that, that are there and, and, and everybody has a job to do. Everybody has a, uh, has a, has a uh, responsibility, you know, whether it's for security, whether it's setting up – you know, our merchandise, uh, whether it's making sure that VIP is where it needs to be. And, you know, that's the way I move now, but I don't even, you know, my wife didn't understand it at first. She was like, oh my God, you're getting, like, are you getting old? Like, you're getting, you know, we're not having fun now, baby. It's not that. It's just that we have to protect ourselves and move a different way because, you know, if I don't do that, you know, we can slip up and anything can happen. I've, I've lost friends, you know, in this business, man. Like, either they're, you know, dead or in jail, you know what I'm saying? So I have to move a different way. And she finally understood that, you know, as we got older, we've, you know, been together for 10, 12 years now. And, you know, as time went on, she started seeing it more like, okay, I see now it's to the point where she don't want to go nowhere <laughs> if my team is not already set up and already involved and we know what's going on, because when I go to do something, I'm going to handle business and you know, right. have fun and show love to my my fans, my my family, the crowd, and get back home safely. Because that's my number one goal. My number one goal is to get back home safely to my family, to my kids, and you know, be here again to see another day, bro.
2: Awesome, awesome. Very true. Very true.
1: All right, Chris. Another wow. quote, another question you have for Jay Simon.
2: Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. A couple more questions. You know, I think we're learning a lot here again, you know, uh, from from Jay Simon, again, a rapper well-known here on the, in the Mobile area along the Gulf Coast. Uh, and so, uh, Jay, tell us um, uh, a little bit about, you know, I know you have a, a son there at the University of Alabama, Tuscaloosa. Uh, tell us a little bit about him and, uh, you know, how, how you've influenced him uh
0: to do what he's doing. Well yeah, man, uh oh, that's that's all gonna be my son. D I have three boys. I have uh I have Trayvon. Trayvon is actually twenty six. Uh yeah, I started early. <laughs> so I uh, have my <laughs> son Trayvon, he's uh he's twenty six, he's doing really good, man. He's uh you know he he's works uh for Austin at this point in time now. He does doing really great, doing great things. Uh great. super proud of him. My son, D, is the one who goes to the University of Alabama. Uh, this is going to be his sophomore year coming up. And uh, D, I've had, you know, D is amazing, amazing young man. Uh, I've watched him. Now, my my, my son, Trayvon, and, and D, uh, my wife, you know, these were her boys, and, of course, we got married. So, you know, D, these are my, my boys by, by marriage. Uh, And I've had D and and brought D up there since he was around about five or six years old, you know, and my job at that time was that I wanted to make sure that everything I do, and we have to be aware of this too, when you have children, when you have kids, they're watching everything that you do, you know, because their hero is you. So they're watching what the hero right. do. They're watching how the hero move. They're watching how the hero handles situ- you know different situations and things of that nature. So, you know, uh, and I made sure that you know whatever he saw from me, he saw me from the best example. And He saw the real me. He got a chance to see you know uh, pop behind the scenes and how things work, you know. And I always encourage him, man. You know, just just do good, do great things. You know, he was big in basketball and football you know, I made sure that I was there every game. I made sure I was there to watching all the way through that and uh, you know, got him enrolled in Sarah Land uh high school, where actually Sarah Land middle school where he did great, Sarah Land High School where he did good and you know, one of the reasons why I wanted him to do that because he could have went to, you know, Willingson or Davidson or, you know, uh LaFleur, things of that nature, which is cool. Uh but one of the reasons why I wanted him to go to Sarah Land is because I knew how well it did for me going to, like, for example, Satsuma High School. And what I mean by that is that it gave me the ability to be able to be more diverse, to be able to work right. with, uh, you know, to be able to work with black, white, uh, Hispanic, uh, you know, whomever, you know, all shades and all colors of life to where –
2: Diverse have, people.
0: Yeah, diverse people. So, therefore, because I mean, that's what you're dealing with in the world. You know that you know, like for example, you know, of course, uh, I'm also in the automobile industry, and in the automobile industry, you know that background for me helps me out a lot because it doesn't matter who I'm in front of, who's in front of me. You know, I know how to turn the switch on and off. You know, I know how to interact with people. I know how to, you know, to deal with them and relate and find something that we have in common. You know, and and it just helps him out a whole lot, especially going up to Alabama. You know, when he first got there, he was like, "Wow, you know, I I, I finally made it." You know, and it was a it was a great big thing for us. And he's doing great, man. And uh, he
2: awesome.
0: just made a dean. Awesome. He made the dean list. Got another scholarship. You know, so he's doing great. Yeah, he really is.
2: Look at that. Get all that intelligence from his dad and that drive and hard work. So, yeah, that's, man. That's I just, you know, I just want to.
0: And then that's another thing, too. So, like, he knows the background, you know, like these are stories that I share with him. You know, I want right. I want them to know, you know, you know, I don't want you to just see it all good. This is what Dad had to go through to get to where he's at. You know, and I'm telling you these things because I don't want you to make the same mistakes that I made. You don't have to. I've already made the sacrifices for you. I've already made all the bumps and the and the, and the hiccups and all this thing. Let me show you how to get straight to the prize. You know, let me give you the blueprint. And I appreciate it so much because he takes it. Yeah, I want to learn. I want to know more, Pop. I want to learn. I want to see how it's done. You know, because a lot of times as kids, you know, you kind of be a little rebellious you know, get your, your, your family. You may think they don't know what they're talking about or, you know, you too old. Cause I was that kid. I was like, man, y'all know, I know what I got going on and I had to learn the hard way. So, so I'm just grateful that he does listen and he, he does, uh, you know, follow my lead. Yes, sir. That's fantastic.
1: Wow. You yes, Summarize Jay Simon for us, Chris.
2: Yeah, no problem. Uh, now, uh, we asked about him opening up for TI, didn't we? Uh, and what that yeah, was like. Yeah, just we put, talked put, about that put, right. Put, Some of
1: your just continue that whole process about who, what celebrities you cross paths with in your career.
0: Yeah, man, no problem. Uh yeah, so celebrities are uh, that I've crossed paths with, man. Uh number one, I, I have to give, you know, a lot of love and I always do to uh someone who was like a brother to me, man, and he took me up on his wing. And that was the uh the famous and uh, RIP to him, that's uh, the last Mr. Big Diamond, I, uh, right here from the Gulf Coast, of course, Mobile area. Uh, you know, I had a chance to 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 watch him work, to watch him, you know, do like four shows in one night, you know, and just be on the road with him and learn a lot, man. And I, I give a lot of praise and a lot of love to him because uh, he, he didn't have to open the doors and, and, and show me the way, but he did. And by me getting that experience and being with him, I was able to do great things. As far as like, uh, be on big shows with Lil Wayne, uh, Juvenile. Uh, I was on tour. Matter of fact, I was on. I was also in a acting. I was in a play with uh, Dave Hollister, uh, Monifa. Um, I've done shows with with Outcasts, Big Boy of Outcasts. Uh, I had an opportunity to do a concert with my favorite. One of my favorite right. artists in group was UGK, uh, Young Jeezy, Devin the Dude, Project Pat, 2 Chainz, uh, Nelly Wu-Tang, 8 Ball, MJG, uh, Scarface, uh, Snoop, Migos, Rick Ross. And the whole T.I. situation came about was because uh, I'm a pretty, you know, big performer at, at Soul Kitchen, which is in downtown Mobile. And they were bringing in T.I. for a show. And ironically, during that same time, I had just got with my new, uh, my new project deal uh, with Lane Entertainment, and my right. project manager was D. was uh, by, her name is Dina Marto. At the same time, Dina Marto was also Ti's uh, manager and project manager. So okay. I wasn't signed to the label, but we both had the same ties. And uh, he came down to do the show, and you know, again, ironically, I was already with her. I got the phone call from Soul Kitchen. They was like, hey, man, we need help selling these tickets because we got TI on a Wednesday night, and these tickets are not moving. The people don't really believe it. The city's not, you know, really buying it. So oh. by me putting my name on it and getting my team involved and saying, hey, this is real, TI is really coming, then that's when, the, the you know, the people start like, hey, okay, this must be real because Jay's not going to put his name on anything, and it's not, you know, official.'" And man, like within about three, four days, uh, we sold like close to fifteen hundred tickets. Um, and when I say we, All I'm right. talking about my I'm talking about myself and two of my team members <laughs> uh with Jay Simon. We sold fifteen hundred tickets, man, and um, the the TI camp, you know, himself they got a chance to see that. Matter of fact, the the tour, it was the Hustle Gang tour and it started in Mobile and went from Mobile okay. to Birmingham. So I got invited to go to Birmingham. Went to Birmingham I uh, did the same thing, man. They was very impressed because they was like, man, you got followed in Birmingham as well. So it was a sold out show there. Then I was invited to Tallahassee. I couldn't take the Tallahassee trip uh, due to my father had just passed at the time and uh, his funeral was scheduled on that Saturday. So, uh, you know, just was unable to do it. And then I had to pick myself up and brush myself off and get back off again because then I was invited to go to Knoxville, Tennessee. And uh, after that, you know, they saw that. They saw that dedication. They saw how hungry I was. Man, they gave me the opportunity right. to go on tour with them, man. And, and, you know, the rest is history.
2: Oh, wow. Well, great. All
0: right, Chris. All right. So, I guess,
1: Dr. Hall, it's time to summarize Jay Simon.
2: Oh, well, no problem. Well, you know, well, there you have it, okay, from the fertile ground of the Gulf Coast that's produced some of the greatest rappers like Lil Wayne in history, uh, Jay Simon, again worked with these individuals, has been deep in the game, okay? He's told us about his life. He's told us about what he, how he's learned, what he's passed on to his kids. And so uh, that the Soul Kitchen, you know, I'll tell you uh, straight out, me and my wife are going to be at the Soul Kitchen to check out Jay Simon next time he's there. And mm-hmm. um, I just want to give uh, Jay Simon a, 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 a thanks for, for coming on the show and for um, telling us about your life and your experiences.
0: Man, I really appreciate it, man. I I really do, man. Thank you both. Uh, Make sure everybody, man, you go to jsimonsays.com. Go to my website. Check me out. Follow me on all social media platforms. uh, Official, J. Simon. uh, That's O-F-F-I-C-I-A-L-J-S-I-M-O-N. Follow me. I'm a follow back. I'm a real, you know, I'm a real dude, man. I I don't even call my people fans. I call them family. So make sure you check out that. Make sure you check out the new project Simon Says, uh, my other project Church Music, and a new project on the way. Uh, graduated to an OG, so uh, thanks a lot, man. I appreciate you guys, man. and much love.
1: Oh, uh, that was yes, fantastic! Sir. I want to have Thank you back. again, Jay Simon. What a great show! Uh, so that was again the special simulcast of the Neil Haley Show and the Doctor Christopher Hall Show. Guys, take care. We're back to the Haley show. And my guest again today is Mirabai Davey. She is a spiritual teacher, internationally known spiritual teacher and spiritual healer. Mirabai, thanks for stopping by. And our topic today is going to talk about, we were talking about one-on-one sessions. What's the difference between a private one-on-one session and a private and a retreat? What's the difference? A spiritual retreat?
3: Yes, Neil. Thank you so much for having me on your show again. And to answer your question, the difference between a private retreat and a private session is night and day, because a private retreat is a once in a lifetime opportunity to make a major positive change and break through a cycle or a karmic cycle. So a retreat is actually designed, it's five days, if a person would like to receive that minimum five days to actually take a deep dive to an incredible level of depth where the deepest level of processing that a human being can go through, but in a held, loving, safe, warm environment. So a retreat is actually life-saving. It's a completely different level than a private session. Um, You can dig into the soul level during a private session briefly But it's like one chapter versus a retreat is a whole movie. You can dig into a very deep soul level uh, where you have the time and the space to do work that you've been wanting to do your whole life. And during that retreat, there are a lot of light beings that come in to support that work and to help the individual to work through those deepest levels that they wanna change or to make those changes in their lives. So during the retreat, I'm holding a container the whole time to remove people's blockages um, to healing themselves and to awakening spiritually. I'm helping them to, whether it's breaking through an illness or to get deep spiritual guidance and answers or to facilitate a major change for the better or to accelerate spiritually. It's also about working on multidimensional levels with other lifetimes, past lives, looking at your timelines, clearing your karma, clearing deep body illness and deep body issues, like injuries, illness, repeating relationship karmic patterns that are just not working, areas of conflict, and even spiritual crisis. You know, so many people are dealing with spiritual crises these days, so. In this this place, uh, I'm working with very deep soul and etheric guided readings in the Akashic records, past life, lineage clearing, soul retrieval, and this kind of thing to access these deeper places. So the retreat helps people not only just to feel so much lighter, but it actually helps people to have that breakthrough experience that they've been looking for. And that breakthrough experience is permanent.
1: So that private retreat is, how does it start? How long is the private retreat?
3: Great question. So the private retreat is for five sessions and each session is one and a half hours. And those five days can happen as consecutively or they can be spread out over two weeks or they can be spread out over the course of a month if that person, if it's too intense and it needs integration time in between. And the session really is um, set up in a way where we map out in the first session what's needed for the entire retreat. And we're focusing on intuitive guidance. So it's different than a private session in the sense that there's the break, the long breaks between private sessions. Most people don't even realize that they can do this deeper level of work and healing on themselves and have this consecutive rhythm to do that in those five or 10 days, whatever they choose. So if a client wants longer, they can go longer. People, Some people actually work with me on and off throughout an entire month if they're going through a major transition in their life.
1: What's amazing about this is in the one private session, you can't get enough. It's it gets to start, you understand things some, but they got you got to put the work in. It's like anything else. So by doing a private retreat, you really give them homework throughout that process to get to the goal. Once that private tr- retreat is over. Is not that correct?
3: That's exactly right. Because we're doing so much deep digging. It's like surgery, right? It's a, it's an experience of like you're coming out of the hospital having had surgery only it's on the inside because so much has been lifted out of you and adjusted and changed for the better that you need the homework you need the practices you need the support to integrate all the changes so that you don't go back to the old patterns or old programs or old life that you had before
1: I think that's fabulous stuff for sure and it's something that you get blown away about having this experience. And we talked about how great one-on-one private sessions are, but private retreats, there's not many spiritual teachers doing this, spiritual healers, right? Again, we talked about this one-on-one sessions. Not many have the time or willing to do such great deep work one-on-one with Mirabai Devi. Right,
3: that's because exactly like you said, one-on-one. And I just wanted to mention that It can take someone four to six months to integrate the work afterwards because it's so deeply life-changing. And um, physically, it can take three to four weeks to integrate it. So it's important for whoever decides that they want to experience a private retreat and do this level of deep work, that they really know that they're making the space or carving the space in their life to be able to integrate this massive shift in their internal energy system And that they can really know that I am there to support them, to protect them, to guide them, and to work through it with them. So they're not on their own trying to do this massive shift all by themselves. So it's important that they know that I'm going to walk them through the entire process with kid gloves in a tender, loving, compassionate way. And so whatever they've been afraid to face or to really look at or work on... It's not going to be so scary. The work is actually going to be amazing for them and life-changing.
1: Oh, it's amazing, life-changing. It's got to be really, really exciting for people to get a possibility like this. And this is only for a limited time, right? You don't always do private retreats, right?
3: Right. So, so right now, right now I'm on an event tour. And during that event tour, I'm mostly doing public events and private one-on-one sessions. But I'm opening up space this August and this September for private retreats again. So this is good timing if anyone feels called to come forward and book something for August and for September 2023, where I'm just going to be opening up the space for those now uh, for the first time in a while. And so I just wanted to mention people that have done previous retreats have had unbelievable outcomes, massive health, health problems have cleared up um people have gone in and out of higher states of consciousness some have remained in them people that have had like closed hearts and been even dealing with paranoia have like become healers or spiritual teachers and are helping guide people because they're in such a state of love and bliss Uh, people that have had extreme anxiety and fear have come out with such a deep inner peace finding their life purpose Um, we've had people who've been like emotionally and financially paralyzed, open into huge levels of abundance and breakthrough. So we've really seen dramatic results on the retreat and it's because it's a consecutive breaking through of the walls or of the blockages until we kind of release them.
1: And the best place to go is mirabidevi.org, right? Yes, they can,
3: they can go to mirabidevi.org, um, forward slash retreats and there's a landing page there that tells them all about it and there's a lot of information that we will give them also when they contact us so they can also contact us at uh info mirrorbydavy.org and send an email to the office and then we can help fill in the details
1: and also they can call you right that's another place where yes tell us about that
3: Mm -hmm. They can call us on 760-216-1029. That's 760-216-1029. And if they can't access the landing page on retreats, we can send that to them. Send them a direct link.
1: All right. Thanks, Mirabai. We appreciate it.
3: Yeah, Neil, one more thing is that people can do a retreat from anywhere in the world because they're on Zoom. So people can join in from India or Malaysia or South Africa or Europe. And we can accommodate their time zones and they can just, all they have to do is commit to those five, one and a half hour sessions over a week or two weeks or a month. And then in addition to that, if they are in the areas like California or Oregon or New England or Hawaii, they can come in person.
1: All right. We appreciate it, Mirabai. You're listening and watching The Neil Haley Show and we'll be back in just a moment. We're back to the Neil Haley show. My guest again is Paul Hollis, author of The Hollomancers and owner and CEO of Seniors Publishing. Paul, how are you? And you know what? You started to scratch your head when you said, "You know, I'm seeing all these publishing companies and all they do is publish the book. What are your thoughts on that?
4: Well, um, publishing the book is is the first step, maybe you know. basically. I mean, you have preliminary steps of editing and writing and all that sort of thing, but publishing gets you... Get you to the point where you can become an author. Then you start building your brand. And then you've got, then you've got uh, websites, podcasts, you've got um, marketing to, to contend with. And, and it's like, who's going to do that? What's going to do it? And how do you, how do I do it as an author? Well, this is what we're going to do for you uh, and, and, and give you different uh, uh, packages of customization and, and, and and just, just really cater to what your needs are and not what our needs are.
1: I'm going to tell you right now, Paul, every publishing company is not doing the marketing. They are making them pay a ton of money for publishing the book, but that's just the beginning. It's the marketing. And for, you know, with, again, the media giant partnering with organizations like Seniors Publishing and like uh, Cowboy 347 and other people that are interested in me partnering providing my services, my agency can provide. I think it's such a fantastic situation for people to get the chance to be a guest on my show, to get the ability to increase their followers on social media, being able to become relevant in social media, learn the technology, learn all the different things for a portion of a cost what most marketing agencies charge. And the reason is, is because we have been doing it forever. you have been in publishing for so many years. I have been in marketing for so many years. And you thought, Neil, well, why don't we do this? So one thing that you guys do at Senior Publishing is again, website development. Go build a website. It takes mostly six months to create a website, guys. Paul's a- agency will do it in probably the, le- the less time, maybe a month if you're publishing with him. If you want a podcast, we can create a podcast. If you want a marketing plan, if you want a book launch, a virtual book launch, we'll do it for you all of those different things. And if you come up with something that maybe we never heard of, Paul will do it for you. Because Paul, you're excited about that, right? You want to provide things that just, when you went to your first publisher, what was this situation? Tell me.
4: Uh, Well, uh, it was, uh, I think it was a a very frustrating uh, encounter because uh, I had to give the Book up for three years, uh, so that they had full control of it. Uh, They they told me what royalties I was going to get and what I wasn't going to get. They said they were going to do marketing and and book covers and and all of that basically fell through. Not not one sale in in the first year. So I took the book back and and uh, decided to do something different because that was not working and that was a traditional publisher as well. So.
1: Wow. Okay. And and the problem is they don't do marketing. They don't understand marketing because most authors don't understand right. marketing and most publishing companies don't understand marketing. And the reason is because books don't sell by themselves. How many authors do you talk to every day, Paul, who say, yeah, I published a few books, but no one's buying them. Tell me.
4: Everybody says that. I mean, it. it's really, uh, it's really a, a unique author who can write a book and it, and it goes right away to new york times bestseller list and 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 away it goes i mean you cannot do that without a brand you know there there's there are lots of things that are standing in the way of of just writing a book and just turning it over to someone else to to make you a millionaire there's that doesn't happen anymore unless your name might be patterson or balducci or something like that so so and and even those guys i'm I'm wondering how many books they're selling as, as well. but 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 the fact is is that is that you you can't it's a great thing to do. It's a great, wonderful accomplishment to to write a book. Not a lot of people do that, but but more and more people can do that and they are doing it and which is great. We want to get more ideas and information out to the to the public. So but you can't do that without some kind of marketing and branding.
1: Exactly. Because it's all about brand. It's all about marketing. And that's what uh, Seniors Publishing is doing. And I guess you have another announcement that if you're not a senior citizen, there's another publishing company now. And not just another publishing company, but marketing as well. And that's the Hollow Man Series Publishing. I mean, this that's Hollow right. Man Publishing Company. That's because that's for the people that are not seniors. Right, Paul?
4: That's, that's correct. Yeah. I mean, uh, we we wanted to, to get to build this Nietzsche uh, in the older segment of, of the population to to get out all their ideas and put them into books and get them out for for people to, to see and understand uh, but but then we realized okay there's there's more to it than just this it's it's everybody wants to to have and know how to do this process. And we are very open about it. We'll we'll, we'll publish anyone's book, um, get it out there and then and we'll go from there. And, and, and then we start to, it's all a, a really a customization, sort of an a la carte kind of a thing. You, you pick what you want, not what we want.
1: And the royalties are all yours. That's, That's huge. Correct. Is there another publishing company, self-publishing, vanity public publishing company doing that? The answer is no. We're the one, you're the one for sure. So Paul, best place to go is seniors-publishing.com.
4: That's correct, yeah. And
1: then also the Series.com. You can check out information. Contact Paul today. Paul, great information, man. We appreciate it, sir.
4: Always a pleasure.
1: Thank you. You're listening and watching the Neil Haley Show, and we'll be back. We're back to the Neil Haley Show, and my guest today is, again, business strategist, author, and business owner Gene Kuhn. Gene, thanks for stopping by and you're the marketing guru and you're going to teach us today the importance of email marketing. A lot of times people are just focusing all their time on TikTok, on Instagram, on Facebook, and yet they don't have people they can communicate with each and every week who are really the valued people who understand them.
5: Absolutely. And people right now, all they want when they write an email, it's literally buy my stuff, right? Buy my stuff, by my stuff, by my stuff. And that is not the way to um, get your people to open up your emails. There's a few things that we need to do in order to have a great email, Neil. Um, one of them is you have to have a great uh, subject line, right? My best subject line ever was titled, my husband left me, right? Oh, and husband. so... <laughs> And the second part, and I'm gonna tell you why that was funny in just a minute. The second part of the email is you should start with something personal, right? So I, it was a snowy Sunday afternoon and my husband and my sons went to a superhero movie, which I could care less about, right? I couldn't care less about. And um, so I thought, I'm just gonna write an email to my list. So I wrote the title was, My Husband Left Me. It was my biggest opening ever. They were probably wondering what took him so long. And uh, all he did was go to a movie, but I told a little bit of a story in there about that. And that's really, that personal piece should be a story about what's going on in your life, right? Now, I wouldn't bring in, I wouldn't bring in drama. I wouldn't bring in anything bad that's happening, but it's, when I start to write an email, I always stop and I think it's like, what story can I tie the lesson that I wanna make to? So if you can make it a story, people will remember your stories long after they forget what your content was.
1: That's so, so true because the storytelling gives that, builds that relationship. You wanna have a relationship with your list, right?
5: Exactly, as a matter of fact, this is a really good example. When I had the chocolate stores, um, my daughter graduated college and she had worked in that store since she was 12 years old. And people knew her, all, the, all of our favorite customers knew her. And I wrote, I just put her in our newsletter that month in her cap and gown and how proud we were of her and you know, come in and say hi to her before she, she um, starts her new job at the hospital. And people, I had a woman reach out to me from Tennessee and she said, thank you for sharing the story of your daughter. My daughter's in nursing school as well, but she had to take a semester off because she just had twin baby girls, but she'll be right back at it. And I, I'm i so grateful that you shared that story about your daughter. I did not know her. My store was not in Tennessee. She had some point had come through my store because the only way you could get on my email list was if you signed up in the store. So it was really, and I called her and I, and we, we chatted for a few minutes, right? We connected mom to mom, right? And there's a lot of different ways you can connect with your people by telling stories. Maybe you've got a puppy, you've posted a picture of a new puppy, by the way, if you show me a picture of a new puppy, Neil, you and I are best friends forever, uh-huh. whether you want to be or not. So that's one way. Now, what happens if you're a cat person? Well, here's how you handle that, right? You get rid of the cat and you get a new puppy. And then we can connect again, right? So there's always, we'll connect over children. We'll connect over food. We'll connect over um, experiences, right? So when you write a story to start with a little personal story, you're right. It gives them an insight to who you are authentically and why they might want to connect with you.
1: I love that because you're really making that connection off of opening the email to see the the subject matter. Okay, I'm going to check this out because I want I wonder what Gene has to say. And that's the beginning opener to get to capture that reader's attention, right?
5: Exactly. But you you cannot, listen, your, all of your headlines cannot be um, so staggeringly you know, I call them Huff- Huffington Post headlines. They can't be Huffington Post or Inquirer headlines, right? You actually have to talk about what your headline is about or you'll lose all credibility and nobody will open your, th- your email again. So um, number two, you have to put a little bit of education in there, right? A little bit of education. So I've actually given you two, so maybe there's five. Subject line, something personal, Three is education. You've got to give them a little bit of education about what you do or the problem that you solve for people, right? So that's how I always tie my personal story into a business lesson. That number three is it has to be, you can include something else of interest for them in your newsletter. Um, when I was writing for the chocolate store, I would include a recipe. But now that I'm in in the strategy business, I will include a video of the week, I will include something that I have a training that I have coming up, I will include um, what might be what extra trainings I might do or bringing people in to speak or whatever that is, I always have something in the subject line. I'm sorry, on the right hand side of my newsletter, I always have something on the right hand side of my newsletter that tells people what's up and coming, or here's something you might like, something that may interest you. And then number four is, or number five is a call to action, right? You have to have a call to action in your newsletter. What do you want them to do? Do you want them to click here? Do you want them to buy something? Do you just want them to download a new freebie that you might have, another lead generator that you might be offering? All of these are just different ways to uh, get people on your list and share it with other people.
1: You so might once, even say once, that once once you capture that reader's attention and you go right into the uh you know the the education portion, is it you you try to come up with a theme for each email?
5: Yeah, absolutely. I sometimes I will sit here for an hour or two till I come up with the right story or I'll start writing it and then I as I'm writing, I'm like, oh well that. That personal story has nothing to do with the business lesson I want to teach. So I will literally erase it all and start over.
1: And that business lesson is so important because they see your expertise and that's when they want to contact you, right? From exactly.
5: That- and and here's the other thing is, and I know you're a big fan of AI and a lot of people are really big fans of AI. I don't want AI writing anything that comes out of my, if it comes off my desktop, it's something I hand wrote with no help from AI. Right? You know why? Because it's my AI will never write like I write. AI will never tell funny stories like I like to put in my news my newsletters. AI, um yeah, I don't see me in AI getting along too well. Right. I'm a, I'm a maybe a little control freak there that I don't want AI taking over my job.
1: Well then I'll have to show you specifically what we can do is basically you can write your email same way through AI and then AI will help you with the best call to action because what they are able to do is they know understand specifically what people want humanly. You have to put your input into this. If you input output, if you don't yes. put any good input in, AI doesn't work for you at all. You'll get exactly. the you'll get the junk. For sure. All right. So you talk about the education and is it right then the CTA after you give that business lesson? Is that when you jump to the CTA?
5: Yeah, it is usually. Yeah, it's exactly when I do it. But the education can be anything from um, when I had the chocolate store, I'm using this as an example because it's such a a good one. When I had the chocolate store and I had a downtown brick and mortar business, one of the pieces was bringing people into town, right? In order to come to my store and the other stores around me. So I always made people aware of when is the art festival, the downtown art festival, when is the the carnival, when is the pet parade, whatever that is, right? I always made sure I was telling people what was going on in town, that they would want the Halloween walk, what they want to come to, what can they come down and experience here? I want to make sure that they at least know that. The other pieces. Um, For education now, I might put in, um, for what I do now, I might put in a good book to read. I might put in, um, or I might even copy two or three paragraphs from a book and put it in there as education. Hey, I just read this and I thought it was something you should know. And I'm sharing that with you right now, right? So it's always looking for some, giving them a ton of value, right? That's really what your newsletter should be full of is just value.
1: And what happens because you do that on a regular basis, your email newsletter, what you get great responses and you get leads from it too, right?
5: I do. And, and, and I make sales from it sometimes, right? I will put something out there. I've got a training or I've got a workshop or I've got a three-day event or whatever it is that I'm working on. I will put it out to my list. So, because I know that there are buyers on that list.
1: So basically they're willing to fill out that contact form. They're willing to, because they're warm. People don't understand social media, they're not warm yet. They're not warm. They're 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 thinking about it, but they're not considering it. But once they subscribe to that email list, it's gold mine. And what are your best ways of getting email subscribers, Gene? Uh,
5: one of the things I do when I'm out speaking. Right. When I go out and I speak, as a matter of fact, I was out yesterday. I collected 16 new email addresses. Right. I spoke to a group of 16 people. They all wanted my newsletter after I talked about how kind of cool it was. News to use for business owners. So, by the way, if you want my news to use for business owners, make sure you sign up at JeanCoon.com. But, um, but that's exactly what it is. It's like I tell them stories while I'm speaking, and then I talk about what they need to be putting in their newsletter, and then. Mostly they wanna see it, which I'm excited about. They wanna see it, how am I doing it, right? What am I writing about? That's the very best, being a model to them is the very best way I can sample them.
1: All right, best place against Gene.